Steve, happy uh, post Super Bowl Monday. It's like a national holiday. I wonder how many people work took off today. I, I do wonder, like, this has to be maybe this in like the March Madness, like, has to be like top top five, just random days off of the year. I know a lot of people that take today off. Um, we are not taking today off though, because we we work hard, right, Steve? We work very hard. We're here for you all the time. Reliable. This is your reliable yes. and entertaining podcast. Yes. Yes. Uh, this is the Stuff Summer Says podcast with Steve. With Steve. Steve, we have a special guest joining us here very shortly. His name is Chris Smith. He is a Penn State alum, um, and he knows a thing or two about making commercials. So we are going to pick his brain on making commercials and um, you know, the process of making a Super Bowl ad, which he has made, and also maybe get his reaction to some of the Super Bowl commercials. And then we will spend some time this after that, probably chatting through the game, um, some of our other thoughts. And other than that, uh, we'll have old guy and young guy. But for now, go ahead and listen to this interview with Chris. Uh, anything else you want to add about Steve? Add Steve? No, we'll introduce him in, in the part of the, we'll do a little introduction that you hear in the interview. He's a good dude. I think he'll be fun. All right, cool. All right, Steve, you, you, our, our booking talents worked quickly on this one. So thank you. Steve. We're going to pay the booker extra this week. Yes. Yes, we are. That's, we are all <laughs> zero dollars and zero cents. And, and you, you hooked us up with a, a good get. Um, Chris Smith, a Penn State alum, journalism alum, blue band alum. Um, all the relatively the, the good alums to be at Penn State if you're going to have a degree and do an extracurricular activity. Um, he joins us. He is the creative, uh, off, create, chief creative officer and principal at Plot Twist Cre Creativity. Um, let me read you some of his fun facts on his, uh, his, his, his bio here. Uh, he once finished 327th out of 720 competitors in the National cro Crossword Puzzle Tournament. Uh, is the Jeopardy thing true? Like, I feel like he might be pulling my It is true. Yes. It is true? Okay. It is true. Um, and appears to be also the father, brother, uncle, and cousin of twins twice over, or well, yeah. the cousin part twice over. Yeah, that is five, that sets, is of five sets of twins in my family, uh, two of which are mine, and two of which are my sisters are twins as well, and one of them has twins. So, yeah, I don't know what it is. That is, uh, one of the more interesting non work resumes I've read in years congratulations <laughs> thank you thank you yes the the jeopardy thing is true it was uh the you know it's kind of the highlight I, I was on jeopardy like 16 years ago and i won a couple times and it's all been downhill from there like i have nothing else interesting to talk about you seem like you're doing all right <laughs> all right chris what do you do for a living explain explain to me and steve what you do for a living and how you got into this industry um because i am also an agency guy i have a journalism degree but i took also veered to maybe the left or right whichever turn you want to want to say it is um toward the agency life well uh i 
actually, I started in journalism and then switched to advertising um, uh, at Penn State. And I was also a history major as well. And, you know, advertising, because that's what I wanted to do in history, because that's what I love. And, you know, what I wanted to learn about in Penn State has such a fantastic history department. I absolutely jumped at it. So I did th- those things. And while I was studying advertising, um, I learned that there was a thing you could do called copywriting, which is, um, you know, writing commercials, which is like journalism, but you get to make stuff up. And that sounded like more fun uh, to me, a little more, a little more creative, what I wanted to do. Uh, so that's what I did. And I also at the time was, um, was dating a, a piccolo player from the blue band who had graduated and it just so happens that an ad agency I wanted to work at in Dallas, Texas, that was doing the Motel 6 campaign, which is what I really wanted to do. Um, it was the kind of advertising I wanted to do. And that was kind of my dream job uh, was in Dallas and she got a job in Dallas. So uh, I followed her and um, didn't get a job at that agency called the Richards Group um, for five years. I worked at other agencies until I finally got a chance and then um, I got a job at the Richards Group and was there for 22 years. Um, and I've also been married to that piccolo player. Uh, in September, it will be 25 years. Worked out great for you. Yeah, so so everything fell exactly into yeah. place. Uh, but then, uh, if I may, a couple uh, in 2020, we, a little thing happened at, at my last agency where um, something inappropriate was said on a Zoom call and um, it got to the media and it became this giant uh, crap storm, shall we say. And all of my clients fired us, the agency, overnight. Just said, we can't work with you anymore. But they said, we want to work with you and your team. How do we do that? So uh, rather than, you know, they were already out the door. Um, and rather than a bunch of us having to, you know, find new jobs or whatever, we, myself and a partner and a team of 12, uh, started a new agency called Plot Twist Creativity. And we're named after what happened to us. So good, good appropriate. Name. <laughs> that's why we picked that name. Perfect. Um, so still so working working with those clients, and we hired a few people, and things are going good. So, in the context of the Super Bowl, one of the reasons why I think Steve booked you this this week was you have some experience creating Super Bowl ads and, and working on bigger ad ads that probably some of our listeners have either seen, heard. Um, Walk me through some of that work. You know what what have you accomplished that you're most proud of um, in terms of that area realm and and yeah. Well, uh, we so my biggest client is H E B Grocery Stores, which is a huge um, Texas chain. They're they have almost a cult like following, and and they kind of own a big you know a, a big part of Texas. And for the first time this year, now they've opened stores in Dallas Fort Worth. So they were running Super Bowl ads here locally for the first time, which was really exciting for us. But we've done Super Bowl ads for them for almost 20 years. Um, so they usually do a 60 and we found a lot of different ways to do it. Sometimes it's funny. Sometimes we have celebrities. We've used Eva Longoria. We've used um, uh, George Strait. We've used a, a whole, you know, a bunch of various different celebrities. Uh, I, I got to work with Billy Bob Thornton one time to be the voiceover. So, uh, you know, sometimes we're kind of tug at the heartstrings. Sometimes we're, we're, we're jokey. Um, but what I'm most proud of is when people 
I see people on social media or Twitter or wherever say um, that HEB spot was as good as anything, you know, as good or better as any of the big national spots. And I feel sorry for people who didn't live in Texas because they didn't get to see that. Uh, they didn't get to see that spot. So that that makes me happy. And my last night we had two HEB spots on the Super Bowl, um, two thirties and one in each half. And watching Twitter and the reaction to it um, was really gratifying, and people really seemed really seemed to enjoy it. So that was fun. How far out would you have started your work on those two thirties? Like, just to give a sense, I know we'll talk about commercials and what people see, but in terms of the effort of them, how far out? Did those two thirties begin? When did their livelihood begin? Uh, we got it, it varies by year, but we were uh, briefed in, I believe, September. Um, in, in early September, we were we were briefed, and and the brief is funny because usually, especially for a retail account like HEB, you have a very specific thing. You know, we need to sell pre-made meals or blah, 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 you know, something very specific. For this one, it was, and for the Super Bowl, it's always do something cool that's going to make Texans, you know, fall even more in love with HEB. And that's a, just a huge blank canvas, which is a little intimidating. Um, but my team loves it, and we we uh, we jumped all over it, and we had a lot of great ideas this year. And, in fact, they picked one. And they liked it so much, they wanted to do two of them. So um, I had two different teams kind of working on the same idea. And we came up with two spots that are different, but uh, like a little campaign. And they, they came out great. We're really excited. I want to backtrack on that a little bit. and maybe a little in the weeds. And I'm sorry for, for taking us off track if I do. No, man. Or to, to, to Chris in general. Make Texans proud of it. You're not from Texas, right? You're from like North Central Pennsylvania. I'm from upstate New York. Actually. Upstate New York, right, Rochester, that's right. Yeah. So how how yeah, ten how, minutes north of North Central Pennsylvania. Yeah, yeah. I knew I was up in the right. I just couldn't get you over the state line. Yeah. No, you're close. I mean, I'm my parents are from Scranton, so I'm not I knew an there was a Scranton somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. I'm an honorary Pennsylvania. How long does it take you to become to know what the feel of a Texan is though for a commercial? Like well, I know your you partners know, and people may, but for you to say, Yep, you got it. Well, you know, it's funny. I've lived here for 28 years and um, I've learned that there is no real stereotypical Texan. Um, you know, there's Texans are from all over the place. So I've learned here. I've lived here long enough to kind of absorb it, absorb it. And I also um, I, I kind of try to find what's universal. So as sort of a, you know, a non-native, um, I can kind of I can kind of see that. But uh, I've lived here longer than I've lived anywhere else. So, um, you know, it, it, a lot of it's kind of kind of all the best parts have rubbed off, I think. But um, also what's actually been helpful is more and more people like Texas is filling up with people not from Texas, California, New York, all over the place. So um, we are increasingly targeting those people. And one of the one of the big things we're talking about is that you know, what does it mean to be a Texan now? Um, you know, if you're, if you're, okay, there's natives and people who grew up here and that's fine, but there's a lot of people who didn't, they don't know much about what it means to be from here. They don't know what HEB is. They don't have this lifelong association with it. Like in Pennsylvania, you might with Sheets or Wawa or, you, you know what I mean? You grew up with it, you know what you love it. Um, so they don't have that. So how do we introduce them to the brand? Um, and that's been, that's been really fun. And I've been able to kind of, um, 
I've been able to to kind of chime in more on that because I had the same experience. I moved here. I started working on the brand. I didn't know what it was, you know, but so, yeah, so far it hasn't hindered me. <laughs> oh, exactly. That's what I mean. It seems to yeah. go pretty well. That's why I was curious. Very cool. Yeah. Very cool. Is it intimidating to have that kind of carte blanche where it's, okay, you're you're putting your brand in my hands and now I have to kind of convert on that? Yeah, it is. It's it's intimidating and exhilarating at the same time. It's it's exactly what everybody wants. You know, give oh, just let me add it. Just give me give me a blank piece of paper and let me come up with whatever I want that I think is cool. But um, there's a lot of pressure. More eyeballs are going to see a Super Bowl ad than anything else you do, and there's the the client is is gonna you know they're more nervous about it. They're gonna kind of think harder about it and and and. I don't want to say overthink, but really think about every joke, every cut, every this, like, like it's, the, you're just under a microscope, um, even though you're on such a huge stage, but it, it is why you get into this business. It's, you know, it's, it, it's, it's the whole reason. And the only thing that can become kind of a drag is it's a regional spot and you're competing with these big national spots who some of them you saw on the game last night, unlimited budgets. That Michelob Ultra ad they did that was a parody of um, of uh, Caddyshack. I mean, there was twenty million dollars in talent in that commercial, just with all the celebrities they crammed into that. Um, I we can't compete with that budget wise, you know. So we have to be a lot more uh, selective. So that that that's challenging sometimes. You're being held to that standard, but um, you're you're kind of up against the you know the five hundred pound uh, gorilla or whatever. So um, but that's the challenge that that's yeah. so you have to be a little more clever, a little more scrappy, a little more, uh, uh, a little more creative. And, and that's fun. So it's September and then it transfers into October. At what point are you putting together a storyboard or is that pretty much the first step in the process? What's what is the kind of overall process and what does the timeline look like? And when do you hit that done copy and, and, and send it over to whoever it needs to go to? Yeah, we, we, we spent a couple of weeks, what we call concepting, coming up with the idea. And then we have some internal meetings where we all kind of, uh, we look at everything, we polish it. Um, but not too polished. We, we try for the first meeting with the client to be, the scripts haven't been hammered to death yet. It's just kind of here, here are the big ideas. Here, here's a rough script. Here's how we think a script will go. But obviously we haven't had your input at all. So, but we think these are some fun ideas and then we'll narrow it down and then we'll really, you know, they will narrow it down for us. So that's like, you know, October and then we'll spend the next several weeks kind of really chipping away at it and, and trying to get it down to like three scripts that are, we think really where they need to be. And then um, they have to show their bosses and, you know, I'll present it again and again and again to people with bigger and bigger offices, you know, um, <laughs> to, as as it gets closer and closer, more and more real and we get more and more opinions and, okay, that guy's opinion matters. We've got to address his feedback and, you know, um, I'll, or that that woman's opinion. So, um, so that takes a, a month or so that that takes a month or two. And then finally by Thanksgiving at the latest, you want to have something picked. You want to be talking to directors who's going to shoot it. 
you know, um, because you got to start booking stuff. And the problem is a lot of people like to be done well before that. But the problem is, you know, they're a retailer. They've got a lot of work to do at Thanksgiving and Christmas. They sell groceries. But then you've got the Christmas break, which nobody wants to be working in between Christmas and New Year's. But a lot of times you are. So we're doing pre-pro calls and we're doing wardrobe specs and location scouting and stuff like that. The production company is. so. Um, but we like to have things awarded and ready to go well before Christmas. So then we shoot in January, edit quickly and get it out the door. That's how it's usually worked out. What will be the, the lifespan of, of a Super Bowl commercial for HEB? Like nationally, I'm, I'm intrigued by the fact that these commercials show up yesterday during the game and might pop up once or twice more during the year or maybe in the next month even. And then they're gone, yeah. right? And that seems like a big investment to just be gone. So I'm curious, does, does the regional one have any different lifespan? I mean, it's basically what you can negotiate with, um, like where, where you use the popular song in these spots. Um, the, it was Leanne Rhymes song, How Do I Live Without You? And it's kind of a, you know, fun sort of country, sappy, romantic song. And she's from Texas uh, originally. So that worked out. And um you know, we had to negotiate usage on how long we can use that song. So we'll run it as long as we can use the song, which might be four weeks or 13 weeks or whatever you can negotiate. I think we got four or five weeks on this one. Okay. So that's a lot of what determines it. But if there's nothing, if there's nothing, or if there's a celebrity in it, like last year we used George Strait and we made a deal with him where we could use him for six months a year. I don't remember exactly. So you run it as long as you can. And so what we've done, what we did last year was we made sure we had enough time in the deal where we could run it on the Oscars as well. Cause that's another big, um, that's like a month later and you get a, another big hit right, uh, right. of eyeballs and maybe some people who didn't watch Super Bowl will watch the Oscars. So um, that's what we do. Yep. No, that makes sense. The Oscars is the thing that I always have in mind. I'm like, it just seems like it's close enough that some of these would show up again, but yeah. And, and a lot of, a lot of, Big brands that with the budgets that can do it will do a whole new Super Bowl like ad for the Oscars. Um, we haven't had that luxury. So we, but we shot enough this time where we can roll some new stuff out at the Oscars. Um, so we're hoping that that works. Cool. What does success look like for you? Not necessarily HEB, but for you on a Super Bowl ad. Uh, I, for me, success on the Super Bowl ad is, is that it generates a lot of good, good engagement, we call it for my client. Um, that if, if my client is seeing lots of, lots of mentions on Twitter and Reddit and Instagram and whatever, um, to me, that's a win. And, and for the agency, obviously, we want to win awards with it someday and, you know, all that kind of stuff, all, all the agency kudos. Um, I, I want my people to be proud of what they did, and I want the client to trust us even more and say, you guys get it. You can play on this field and make us feel like like the big guys, and um, that's a win for me. And we had a little, a fun little thing today that I will take as a win. One of the scenes in the, the spots – that we ran last night. The, the commercials are about how people who are, if you know, you know, if you, if you're an HEB fan, you do some weird things that 
people who don't know HEB don't quite understand. And one of them, which we learned from all kinds of research and talking to consumers, is that they will take HEB's tortillas, which they make fresh in the store and they're warm and delicious. They will take them with them, like they'll fill up a carry-on bag with them when they're leaving the state to go visit family or whatever. They will like literally replace clothing with with tortillas. So we had a scene in one of our spots of the, the TSA agent or TSA-like agent opening the suitcase and just seeing nothing but tons and tons of tortillas and just kind of giving them the eyeball, like, what are we doing? And then realizing that he's texting, like, okay, you can go. So today the TSA reposted that ad and said, yes, we confirm your tortillas are okay to fly. So that was that That's was huge for us. That was like, yeah, that was next level, like the TSA. That's awesome. Yeah, that was cool. So that's that's success. Just just anything that generates engagement or buzz beyond the game itself is to us a win. I work on the paid social side of life. Um, Yeah. So I I understand the the engagement. Do you does your agency provide that level of, of, you know, white glove service where you guys are tracking mentions and and, or are you guys just the creative agency that is putting. We do mostly just the creative. Okay. Yeah, we do. We do mostly just the creative. We we can do that. And like we have partners that can do that. But HEB has a very sophisticated marketing uh, department. It's very large and they do all of that. They they monitor, they listen, they engage. Every tweet gets a response like that's cool. Yeah, it's pretty impressive. Um, all right, Steve, do you have anything else on the HEB side? No, I was going to let I, what I was thinking now, you can correct me because it's yeah, got you in the podcast. I was yeah. going to see if you wanted to share three or four commercials you thought were uh, decent. I'll share three or yes. four. I thought were decent. He can roll his eyes and tell us where the hell we were wrong or, or yeah. whatever. Ah, oh, on, let me pull up this is my, my favorite part. I love, I love expressing opinions on other people's work. <laughs> Perfect. Great. Let me pull up my note. I, I took detailed notes last night of every nice. Every commercial. Here are mine. I knew we were having. <laughs> there we go. See, I knew we were having Chris on. Um. So let me let me work through a couple of notes. I we talked about the Caddyshack ad. I have to say, I love Caddyshack. I think it's one of the best movies, funniest movies, maybe the funniest movie of all time. Sure. I also was very disappointed in the ad, and it, maybe it was because Steve and I don't really like Tony Romo. That's another. If you listen to some of our other episodes. That maybe had something to do with it. Playing Bill Murray, the the best character in the movie, I I just it didn't uh, it didn't really do it didn't make me want a Michelob Ultra, and I think maybe that's what I'm looking for. In the yeah, the, the, so it's funny in the Super Bowl, like they said, it did make me want a, a Michelob Ultra or a Bud Light or this or that. In the Super Bowl, it's almost that's almost not on the table. It's just did it make you remember it? Did it make you? Think about it, talk about it. Um, and down the road, maybe you'll want to make a little ultra, but it's um, th- that's almost less. But yeah, that ad to me was a really fun idea um, that almost it like to me that would have worked better as a two minute. And there's probably a two minute version of it out there somewhere um, because there were so many celebrities. I mean, there were cameos by people who were in the original movie, like. It just the problem with the Super Bowl. It all goes by so fast that to me they try to. This is the big tension. You try to pack more jokes in, and it almost worked better with fewer better jokes to me because they breathe. 
and people laugh and, and they, if they go by too fast, you just don't get them. So I thought there were some things in there that were really inspired, like Brian Cox playing the Ted Knight character. Yeah. Uh, was yeah, really, was really good. And there were some other funny bits in there, but, uh, it was just a lot. It was just a lot to take in. And also I didn't know who everyone was like. So my wife, the, the, there's, they kind of came back with like a second spinoff commercial of it. And they, they make the Ricky Fowler golf talking to themselves. Yeah. Like the golfer talking to themselves. And Ricky Fowler says, Ricky Fowler doesn't do that or something like that. Yeah. My wife goes, I assume that's Ricky Fowler. Right. I did the same like, thing. <laughs> yeah. Like, like that. Ricky Fowler is like that level of golfer that you kind of sort of really had to pay attention to golf to know who he is. Uh, right. So but like Jordan Spieth is a Texas guy. So I like he's a Dallas guy. So I knew who he was, right. you know, and I didn't, I don't know who that female athlete was. I didn't know who she was. I think it was Alex. It was Alex Morgan who is the, the women's soccer star, but like you would have to know that, like you would have right. to know. But, but she was dressed in tennis clothes. So I didn't quite. Right. Like, yeah. That was the, the it threw me off a little or golf clothes, but which looked like tennis clothes. Like I was, yeah. I, I did recognize her later, but at the time I was like, wait, who's that? So it just all went by real fast. So yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I liked it. I didn't love it. Um, oh, so we're doing movies. Now. I liked it. Didn't love it. Look at that little movie thing. That's great. There we go. My top two ads of the night were both chip related Pringles because everybody's got their arm stuck in a Pringles can. I, and yeah. That one was, was my, probably my second favorite. And then the my favorite was the Doritos commercial, which I don't know if Steve would have got because I don't know if Steve knows who Jack Harlow is. Is with it? Yeah, enough to know who Jack Harlow is. Is that the tri- where Jack Harlow plays the triangle? Yeah, the triangle was was. Yeah, that was that was that is the most memorable Super Bowl ad I think for me last night. That was my son's favorite. Cool, one of one of my son's favorite. I um yeah I the Pringles one now the Pringles one is a is a sort of the second in a series. They introduced that idea of getting your hand caught in the can um, about a year ago. And it's one of the funniest ads I've ever seen in, in my life. It is hilarious. This kid, this guy goes through his entire life and even like on his deathbed and in his coffin still has the thing. Oh, that's right. And, and then at his funeral, someone comes in and there's, you know, snacks at the funeral and he reaches in to get, and he's now stuck in the can. And it's just a great, it's just a great little, little film. Yeah, I, I thought that was fun. I actually chuckled at it a couple times. To me, if I chuckle while that's I'm watching this, that's that's, that's a win. Okay. Like you, you got me. And the Doritos one, I thought was actually clever. It, it was that was that was quite clever. I didn't know who that guy was. Um, I'm glad they told us. That's one of the things. If you'll notice in a lot of these ads, they put in these celebrities and they sort of assume you know who they are. But if I may talk about the Caddyshack thing, that's like a 50 year old movie or 40-some-year-old 40 movie with all these celebrities that are recognized mostly by 25-year-olds. So it, it was just kind of a funny, like, my mother might have gotten the Caddyshack reference, but wouldn't have, wouldn't have recognized anybody in the commercial. So, yeah. it, you know, it's just a funny, and you see that a lot. You see a lot of throwbacks. That, that's why the one that I, who I thought did it the best, frankly, was the GM... Netflix one, which was with, with yes. Will Ferrell and all of the references to movies that were really, were really clever. And if you got them, it was great. And if you didn't get them, like someone who was watching the game with me, my wife's aunt still enjoyed it. It was still entertaining to me. That one, that one hit it right on the head. 
Yeah, and Jack Harlow was helpful because they ID'd him, right? Like, you're right. Yeah. Danny and I'm like, okay, this has got to be right. This is him. And then they built to something that was good because I got Elton John as the payoff, right? Yeah. Like, that one stretched out, and the stretch got me to something that was worthwhile. I yeah. mean, conversely, the one that I really liked the first 45 seconds of was the Google Pixel with Amy Schumer. When we, when we got to Amy Schumer, and she's like, oh, boyfriends, I can get rid of them. And it finished with, I don't even know who that one is. Yeah. I thought the I thought that was a home run to that point. And then there was still 45 more seconds of commercial because it was a 90. And I'm like, yeah. oh, we're, we're just beating this over. Yeah. And she was funny. Like, we're just, we're just throwing more stuff there because we had the money, you know? I agree. And I, I, I enjoy, I like that spot quite a bit. And it was, it just showed a benefit. It just showed a benefit of the product. It was a good ad. That, that's yeah. what I, that's to me what separates things in the Super Bowl. Is it a good little entertaining piece of film? Great. That's what it needs to be for the Super Bowl. But is it a good ad for a product, a, a brand, a, a, a movement, whatever? That one was a good ad. Like that made me go, okay, now I know why I would buy this phone. That gives yeah. me a reason to buy this phone. It's not just, hey, look, celebrities being goofy and then out we go. You know, I, 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 I always give that higher ratings. Did you have others on your list, Darian, or did we get your top ones? Is that, what else did you have? Yeah, I'm sorry. I don't mean to, no, to go on no, too long. Good. These are good the only other one that I think is worth mentioning was the Ram Rev one which was the like premature like ED, yeah, yeah yeah like the ed uh twist like drug commercial which i thought there's a lot of awkward conversations happening right now yeah america and, and we've seen that a million times but but that one was pretty clever that that i i thought was i thought was was pretty good i was also a fan of the uh everybody loved the one farmer's dog which was the dog oh, getting older but it it didn't kind of it lacked a payoff to me. It it was it was beautiful and every it was on USA Today it was everybody's favorite. Great, it was beautiful piece of work and I, I enjoyed it. But the Amazon spot that actually had a twist at the end, which is we bought this dog's a pain in the butt. We buy a crate, but we buy a crate so we can get a new dog for the old dog. That to me. Uh, was a nice twist that I didn't see coming until right as it happened. And I, you know, Amazon sells everything. They sell everything. So what are they going to talk about? You know, and they picked, they went with a dog. And as, as the farmer's dog shows, dogs never fail. Dogs never fail. I, I came out of last night thinking dogs, everybody loves dogs and not cats, right? There's no, there's, there's very few cat commercials. Dog commercials always go right. Right. For me, yeah. the, the dog crate commercial was, I'm like, oh, they're going to put that damn thing in that crate, right? And I'm, I'm like, oh, okay, it's, and we're going to sell this. And then there's a the twist. And you're like, okay, good. But this is yeah. great. And we got the, you know, that was the top one for me. And, and the, the, the chips, Darian, I like the, the popcorners, right? Cause it, mm-hmm. cause of the check with, with Breaking Bad. Like that was at least yeah. fun. And it was a product that hasn't been in our house. And now maybe I give a shot just cause that was kind of fun. They're delicious. And a, a friend of mine I used to work with worked on that, worked on that spot and um, posted behind the scenes photos with the two actors and three actors rather. And, and uh, yeah, if, you know, if my sons are huge Breaking Bad fans, so that was another one where they were, they loved that one. And at their school today, that's the one everybody was talking about. And everybody loves, loved that spot. So, um, and I thought it was funny because it's a product high school kids can buy. It's not (laughs) beer, you know, or, 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 or crypto, you know, or something. It's, It's actually Something high school kicking by. I, I actually, for the first time ever, I actually really liked 
the the Bud Light one, which was Miles Teller and his wife or girlfriend dancing yeah. to the on hold music. Yeah, because that was a that was a very good one. It was very simple, very simple, charming. Yeah, didn't say anything. Didn't just hack in the jokes. It was a universal truth. We've all been stuck on hold, especially lately, like. <laughs> With airline stuff and since COVID and everything, we've all been on hold more than we wanted to be. And I just thought, I thought they just timed it just right. And it, it was really, it's the first Bud Light, Bud Light ad I've liked in a long time. What else did you I, like? Yeah, what, what what else did you like? Uh, I, because it hit me kind of right between the eyes, the workday spot, which had stopped uh, calling people at work rock stars, I, yes. I thought was really funny i wish personally and again i know the guy who one of the guys who did that spot i wish they'd gotten a few more rock stars that were under 70 (laughs) like they had they had gary clark jr who is a great musician but rock star might be a yeah you know a stretch but at least he was he's diverse he's young he's he's hip he's you know more relevant i so i like that but then i mean Joan Jett and and Paul Stanley and Ozzy Osbourne, one of my personal heroes, like that that spot was aimed directly at middle aged white guys like me, <laughs> <laughs> like that just oh man. So I, I I enjoyed that, but I was like oh man, they're getting so old. <laughs> the Ozzy stuff could have just lived on its own. Like you could have just done that with commercial with Ozzy, and I think that would have been just enough for me. But that you know I had never heard of Workday prior to this. I. Right. now know we're talking about it now you, you know, do what I, mean? know. And I think that was a right on successful mission accomplished yeah mission yeah. accomplished and i give me 60 seconds of ozzy osbourne in the office just uh, what, what, what's the coffee man <laughs> like i'm in i'm in yeah. like i i'll watch it on a loop ozzy doing a basic spreadsheet with what's a tab yeah. man i don't know a tab yeah that's a that's a great <laughs> I want to be in that pitch meeting. Yeah, I want to be in that pitch meeting. All right. Oh, I'm going to write that. I'm going to write that spot right now. There you go. Um, Cool. Perfect. I don't want you to throw anyone under the bus, but were there any ads that you were kind of like, you just missed the mark? I thought you could have done better. Yeah. I, you know, I didn't take a ton of notes on on what I I didn't. Oh, I also like, I will say I like the Dave Grohl Thank You Canada. Just that one. That was good. That one was fun to me. That was fun to me. Uh, Just thanks Canada and all the things that were Canadian. I just thought it was really nicely written and it was about whiskey so i'm in um there there were there were several times where i I saw the commercial and at the end of the i just went i was like woof i was like i like okay like i said i i know i may know the people who did these spots so i you know i i can't i can't be too critical but i i don't think you're going to get serena williams to do the famous monologue from any given Sunday better than Al Pacino. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> you I know, tweeted, like mid ad, I tweeted, this is, I, this is the most, I, like you listen to that and you want to run through a wall. And I literally did not want to move an inch from my couch. I, and, and I just, it's not her fault. I mean, she's not an actress and, and right. she's, you know, she's a phenomenal athlete, but she's not an actress. And I've worked with a lot of athletes and they are not actors. They do their best, but they're really, really good at what they do. And it's pretty rare that they're good at both things. Um, so that I just thought was, was, uh, you know, and, and it wasn't bad. It just kind of fell flat. It didn't have the impact it needed, I thought. Um, and, and, and mostly what I think is 
people just going too broad. There, there are too many ads where not everybody finds everything funny. And if you try to be funny to everybody, it's, it's just really hard sometimes. It just goes really broad and it's funny to nobody, which is, which is why I like some of the things where the jokes were a little more sort of specific and inside because they're just sharper um, to, to me. Um, with an audience of, that size, with an audience that size, it's going to resonate to enough people anyway, right? I mean, well, realistically, if you got a hundred million people watching and right. only fifty million people get the joke, that's right. a pretty good that's joke. Pretty good, a, lot, right. a lot of people, exactly. Yeah, yeah exactly. that's a lot. Of, that's more people than five states. That's a lot of people. So exactly. Um, yeah, I. Um, yeah, that. Yeah, there, there were just a, there were a lot of like. There's a lot, a lot of car ads that are just kind of like, okay, guys, like, I don't know. There, there were a few things, and they're always for like, like for instance, the one ad with the freaking, uh, it, it was for like a video game or something, and it was just the the yeah. QR code on the screen and then all this kind of stuff. Like we did that last year. Okay, last year it was, it was new. It suckered a lot of people in. Everybody was like, I get it. You know, what's that? You know, yeah. this year was just like, oh, come on. Like, what are we doing, guys? Yeah. It, and everybody had a QR code. Uh, I, I, also, I also didn't think, I thought it was a really neat idea, but it didn't quite play was um, uh, Bradley Cooper and his mom. I was going to ask uh, about that one. Some people loved that. I, um, and I think that was just, they tried to film a spot and they ended up just using the outtakes because the outtakes were charming. Um, I don't know. I, I, mom had a lot of work on, <laughs> and, and I just, I, I did, I, he's charming, but he kind of looked like he just rolled out of bed and showed up at the, at the set. And I don't know, something about it just didn't quite gel for me, but it was, it was a good effort. And I didn't, and I'll tell you this, I will, and I will differ with my colleagues. There was a big panel of all these really big time creative directors and leaders, heads of all these big agencies. And they got together and they picked what they thought was their favorite ad. And it was, uh, their, their winner was to be the one with the rabbit hole. Um, where, where, where this big rabbit was dragging people down various things. Um, I think I know why the ad people liked it because it's very conceptual and very, you know, oh, we're going to create a rabbit hole. And this is like, it was just super conceptual. But to me, for a Super Bowl ad, it was too clever by half. And, um, that I, 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 it, and, it, and honestly, it just made me kind of, kind of gave me sort of the creeps, like in a weird way. I thought that the rabbit was Donnie Darko for a hot second. Right. Like, that's why I was like, oh, this is a Donnie Darko reboot. And then it was like. But that's why it was creepy. Yeah. That's why it was creepy because it gave me Donnie Darko vibes. Yeah. That's exactly right. And that's not a pleasant place to be. No. No. (laughs) So, but, but then they did that other ad where they, where it just went to their menu and it looked like someone had the remote and was. That was the one people were talking about today. Yeah, I was like, who's doing that? Who's who's doing that? Like, who's sitting on the remote? Who's sitting? You know, I thought that was fun. Yeah. Got my attention. You didn't need the rabbit. You mentioned the one T-Mobile because it was Bradley Cooper and mom. T-Mobile was late with with, uh, Travolta, right, and the Grease remix. I'm curious what your thoughts were of that one. 
Yeah, I, I gave that like a five. Like I, I thought it was a charming idea and and um and I like those two other guys, the two guys from Scrubs yep, yep, um, yep. quite a bit. Um and and I gotta give Travolta credit. He gave it his all. Like he was not mailing that one in. Um but it just uh, like you know, sometimes you get celebrities on set and they're just kind of you know, they're kind of half there, but he was okay. totally. In, in, yeah, he came across as invested um, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. I just, um, I don't know. It just, it just didn't quite work as well right. in the execution as I think it probably sounded on paper right? to me. And that, I mean, that's the biggest fear we all have is this fantastic idea that makes us laugh and laugh and laugh when we're presenting it and coming up with it. And then you get it on film and it's just, you know, yeah, it happens it, and it's, and then you spend two weeks in the edit bay trying to salvage it and add yeah, sound so effects it, and stuff. <laughs> and then you make it worse and worse and worse. Yeah, yeah and then it's just, been there, and then you're just been there. polishing a turd at that point. <laughs> yeah. All right, Chris. Well, this was this was great. We have we, we like that anytime we have a guest on that's got a Penn State tie, we have a couple fast questions to ask you. Oh, great. We, we Hit me. Up. Um, so there are three of them. They're very simple. Are you ready? You ready? Yeah. Okay, perfect. You are in charge of Penn State Athletics for one day and one day only. What are you doing? I'm in charge of Penn State Athletics for one day and one day only. I am having a bocce tournament on the Beaver Stadium field. That's a, that is a fantastic solid. idea. Uh, bocce, the greatest game in the world. It, it's and, very addictive. It's very And we're, we're doing that. We're, we're, it's free to come, and we're doing it on the field. That's <clears throat> fantastic. Okay, we're doing this. We 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 can find some people that get get somebody on the phone. We will we will we will make this happen. Okay. Um, your go-to creamery flavor. Oh, bittersweet mint. Do they still have that? Yes, they do. Yeah. Okay, bittersweet mint. Now I will say they change them. You know, I I I don't get back as much because I live too far away, and you know they change the flavors and stuff. But bittersweet mint, I will always love. Yeah, everybody's got their like one that the, they'll swap out, and then their staple. And I think, yeah. I think that's what uh, where I'm at with it too. Yeah, bittersweet mint is my staple. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna mainline that next week when I'm up there. Okay. Perfect, perfect. All right, last one. You are back in State College for one night and one night only. What bar are you walking into? Uh, the uh, the Shandy Gaff. The Gaff. I, I got gaff vibes from you, and so I'm, I'm yeah. glad to confirm that, that it was the gaff. And the last time I was there, a couple of years ago, before COVID, I walked in, and it was the same bartender. It was the same dude who, who had been there since I was there. And I, and I don't think he remembered me, but I was like, hey! <laughs> and I was like, I can buy, I can buy stuff now! <laughs> But yeah, I'm a, I mean, I, there's been so many new bars and so many things have changed. Um, and if and if the gaff is the line's too long, I'll, I'll hit the first. I'll, I'll do that. Uh, that's still there, right? Yeah, yep, of course. Yep. Yeah. I got a lot counts. of catching up to do. So. You're on both counts. But I, I was a, I was a gaff guy. The 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 dumb music they played there, which I think they still play, still hasn't and, changed. You're good. Yeah, it's uh, to me that was just fun. I left a lot of jackets there, like. Because you'd walk there in the winter and it's so cold and you could smoke in bars at the time. So you'd have this 
jacket that by the end of the night was covered in like mud and beer and smelled like an ashtray and you just leave it there and run home (laughs) as quickly as possible yeah Yeah. that's i don't know when the last time you were at the gaff that's been the biggest change to the bar scene really in state college is you can't smoke at the gaff anymore which i i enjoy because now i can oh yeah now i can't handle it like now i'm like oh how did we live like this how did we live like this yeah (laughs) yeah you know i i loved it but yeah i'm not a smoker so i i get it but yeah well that that'd be my that'd be my bar so i hope they hear this and i get a I get it. Okay. I get it. Exactly. Well, what? We'll, 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 we'll tweet at them, right? Get, get, yes. we'll, we'll get you some. Get you some love. I love it. I'll, I'll get a, a, a free uh, a free pitcher of um, natural light or something. Still, probably only five dollars. <laughs> Dane, I yep. want. I want. I want an audible. And Chris, I know it's been long, but I want to keep him for the old guy, young guy segment. Okay, and go rage guy. Right. Is that okay? Yes. So, that's fine. so Chris, we do an old guy, young guy because you know he's as old as my daughter, and. We've done everything from power equipment to haircuts last week and my ineptitude and inability to still figure out how to get a haircut. Um, <laughs> but Dude, question, at least you have hair. Look at that. Yeah. Look at that mop. It would just be so much easier. But my question this week, and I thought of you when I, after I texted Darian, we went to the Carrie Underwood concert on campus on Friday, Friday night. Mm-hmm. And I lost a couple IQ points and a couple hundred brain cells of the, the four, I think, high school seniors, maybe college freshmen in front of me, taking more selfie pictures of themselves than we have wedding pictures in our household. Sure. And, and I wanted to ask Darian, like, I'm sure that I'm, that makes me, that I'm an old guy. That, so that doesn't resonate with me every place I go. Like, I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, and it's every pose and whatever else. So I'm curious, Darian, your thoughts on that. And Chris, I want to know if that would happen at one of your concerts. Like, you, you are metal right like so do those does yeah, that does that happen uh, okay, you go, those you go first. so my take on the the cell phones at concert thing is what picture are you going to take that is good enough like gonna come out clean like unless you have front row seats or or are very close to the stage or very close to the pit even everything is just going to look like a potato with a bunch of bright lights. And so I don't take many pictures. I also, the thing that annoys me more though, is when people record songs, like take a video of the song playing like the, and like, are you actually going to go back and listen to that? Like, are you, I, I, I just don't go back and watch that. So I don't mind the, the pictures with friends so much. I, I do think I enjoy what I call influencers in the wild when they are doing every single pose. Um, oh, it was. They, they for facing each other back to back, looking hex twisted, fingers up. I'm like, oh, my good Lord God. So just, just question, trying to watch a question at the Carrie Underwood concert. Was this while the concert was happening or was this before? Oh, no, thank This was intermission. This was intermission. So that, okay. that's at least helpful. But still, they were it was. 10, 15 minutes. I mean, the whole section started noticing. I'm like, really, guys? Like, yeah, I'm not that's, that old, but like, you guys just got to be a little more self-aware. Yeah, well, that's, uh, and I think to that generation, and not to speak for that generation, but I do think that they are, that's normal. Like, right. that's not weird. That right. that you spend a large chunk of the time you are somewhere cataloging your time there. I, I think is pretty normal, but to us, it feels, it, it just, it looks weird. And it also feels kind of very attention seeking. What I will do is I try to get one good shot before the concert starts, you know, stage behind me, lights are still on 
you get a nice picture. It's like, we're here to rock out. And then I, if, and I, I'm not that guy who watches the whole concert through his phone. I, I hate that, but I will get a couple representative clips where I know the song and I know it's going to be like a cool part or a part I really like that I want to share with like my kids or, or some friends, you know, who aren't there or whatever, but I'm not like, I'm not the videographer where I got to cap capture the whole thing. And then I frequently, they take up a lot of room on your phone. So I frequently will delete all, but the very best ones, right, you got to make room. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, and I'll, I'll share them just as a, you know, because I am, I am, I have eclectic music, but I'm, I'm a, pretty hardcore metal guy at least old school metal i don't like a lot of the new stuff but um man there's nothing like a metal show so but 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 i do try to like actually absorb it and take it in but i want to capture just a little bit show my kids or whatever was that was that was was that a good answer for the old guy young guy segment yeah Yeah, it's a home run usually how it works out we 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 differ some some weeks loud like steve and i are like on opposite ends of the spectrum like and then there are other weeks like this week where we're a little bit closer yeah well i i think they're they're also annoying to young people they're i think you're just more used to it and but but at some point it's like you've had your back to what you're here to see the entire time because you're taking well that's just dumb like that's right like what are you really here to do and at some point the it's the show is not about you like right. nobody's there to see you they're there to see Carrie Underwood or whoever that's where that's where I think it gets the line gets blurred like who's the real attraction here exactly. <laughs> you know, like, like what do you what do you think all these people are here to see it ain't you exactly it <laughs> so, happens but yeah whatever and yeah. you know it's we, very cool yeah. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Yeah, much. this was awesome, Chris. Thank you. Hey guys, this was super fun. Thanks so much. And let me know how I can uh, listen. And uh, I really appreciate you having me. Let me spout off. Yeah. Steve, that was one of the most energetic interviews we've ever had on this podcast. I I could I could have sat here for hours and talked to Chris. He's a great dude. Yeah, I could. That was awesome. Yeah. That was very very fun and very like. I work so. Uh, Chris works on the creative side and I work more on the data science numbers side. And I'm always fascinated by those, like those types of people, their brain just works differently. And and, and I could gather that from Chris. And it always just is like the most impressive thing to me when you can pick somebody's brain like that, because like they are the, they are the answer of why didn't I think of that? That is, that is, because they did those. He is one of those types of people. Exactly. Um, all right. Well, thank you to Chris for joining us. Um, let's see. We've got some Super Bowl stuff to discuss. There is one commercial that we didn't talk about there that is sports media related that I want to talk to you about. That is the, did you catch this before the game? It was on before the game. It was a national commercial. Um, the YouTube TV commercial. Did you see that? Oh, uh, no, I missed it, I think. Okay, so you need to go watch it. There was a... YouTube TV commercial related to Sunday ticket or uh, the Sunday, the whatever they're calling Sunday ticket. I don't know if that's what they're still going to call it, but they put direct TV on absolute blast. They were like, you don't need a, a dish anymore. You don't need this. Now you can get reliable service from this, this app that you have on your phone. And I was like, wow, that, that they came out swinging there. And that kind of surprised me. 
um, given that it's like a NFL owned entity and it was just a, it was kind of a breathtaking commercial. Um, well, I'll have to go look. I mean, for them, they've they've sponsored the NBA Finals the past few years, right? YouTube TV has been the sponsor of the NBA Finals, a couple of things. And, and I, we watch a lot of sports. We watch a lot of, we see a lot of, I see a lot of ads for Hulu and, I don't know, and Peacock and whatever else. I don't feel like I see as many as YouTube TV and I'm a YouTube TV subscriber and proponent. Like, so I'm, you know, if they get some more people and keep my feet down, that'd be great. But at the same time, it's a good service. Like, I mean, all the all humor it's outside it, it's a good service so like if if they're going to be a little more forward thinking and, and aggressive about what they do to attract people i think that's a good thing because i think what they do they what they do do they do yeah i i was just pretty like in a good way taken aback by it because it was like yeah this got my attention and uh, i'm very excited about this and come football season if i have the money to drop whatever so i don't have to hassle with all the other games and can get all of the games relatively easily. We might be doing that. Um, so that was a that was just a, a note that I thought of that I wanted to discuss with you. Um, let us talk about the Super Bowl. The uh, Kansas City Chiefs winning thirty eight to thirty five over the Eagles. Um, from the media perspective, did you enjoy the broadcast last night, Steve? Yeah, they didn't make any big missteps. It's hard to know they were there. They were clean. I mean, I, I think two critiques that I saw from, uh, I forget who it was nationally, and I thought they were right, um, was all the, all the hubbub about the field, and, and the discussion was coming mostly from the booth about the field. They didn't really rely on the sideline reporters to talk about the field, which was I thought was a very good point. Um, and they didn't do – it wasn't a stat-heavy broadcast. It wasn't a first time for this and this this many times since that kind of stuff. You didn't get a lot of that on the broadcast itself, although I know that content existed. Um, but I think I think Burkhardt and, and Olsen did what, what they've done all year. They had a good conversation about a game while it was going on. I think the only thing Burkhardt did in the first half, in the first half, they had Pereira, Mike Pereira on to confirm some rule thing, whatever. And he's like, ah, oh, that's why he's the best in the business. I'm like, dude, we all saw that. Like that, <laughs> he didn't do anything special there. And that that proved out later with some other things that happened with rules. It's interesting you said the, the stat point because I didn't think about that until now. Uh, it was a very statless broadcast. Like it was a, there weren't exactly. a lot of graphics. There weren't a lot. And you know what? I really enjoyed last night's broadcast and I'm a stat guy. I enjoy the stats. I enjoy all of that. I almost would be in for like the augmented reality type washing of a Super Bowl. But I was okay with that, with not having that last night. Like they didn't. And maybe it's because they knew the audience that's watching. And I think that's maybe something that they thought about is that's true. we know that this, this sporting event more than any other sporting event is going to not, is going to have non-sports fans the most, like the most non-sports fans watching. They just want to know what's happening. Tell the storyline. I thought they did a good job of that. Um, I didn't notice that many holes. I will say I, and I don't know if this is necessarily the broadcast, but maybe even, sports media and although it was annoying there was a very large number of people talking about the field and and that kind of turned into its own little storyline um last night and i i thought that was like that is what i've seen more content of the content that i've been paying attention to today and i, I try to follow a pretty neutral amount of people yeah i i was kind of 
think that was the bigger storyline. Um, so I don't know that maybe you're yeah. right. They probably should have talked about that a little bit more. Cause I think they only did Tom Rinaldi real quick uh, for like five seconds. Uh, maybe it was like Jalen Hurts changed his cleats or, or something like that. I mean, I don't know if they'd have gotten any, any better content in the league or anything, but they just didn't have anybody from the field. And I think what's made that the, the first day story or the post game more story was that, you know, that the penalty that everybody looked at the, the Eagles defensive backs, if, yeah, it was holding like, like he whistled it. Like, I, I mean, I get it was ticky tack and whatever else, but as far as talk, Sports talk fodder and whatever else. When the guy says, "Yeah, it was holding," kills him. You're, you're kind of stuck. Like yeah. that's that story just didn't have any oxygen. It was. You're right. Like that. We in the moment we're all talking about that, and then it pretty quickly died off. It was pretty much a. We're, we're, we're and I haven't watched ESPN today, but I, I'm trying to keep up on the internet with stuff. Um, so I, I think that was pretty interesting. Um, Anything else from the media perspective you want to, Oh, we didn't discuss it. The new score bug. What did you think? I loved it. I was going to, that was my thing. I, I, I took me a second. I'm like, Oh yeah, that's new. Darian's going to notice that. I like the flag with a little moving, the moving yellow stuff that. Yeah. What it was. Just simple. Yeah. And Don't it was need... simple and clean and it, it, it works. So no, I, whenever I saw them, we talked about it beforehand and I saw it, I'm like, okay, Darian's going to be happy. We got a score bug. Um, but it worked and it was clean. It was nice. So yeah, I, I think it, it was good. Apparently there was a graphic, a new graphics package that came in, but I didn't didn't really notice it. It wasn't must have been wasn't that much different. I am interested to see. Usually at the Super Bowl, when when one of the brands has the Super Bowl, they refresh all of their content. So maybe Fox will update its god awful basketball score bug that takes up literally twenty percent, maybe even like sixty percent of the screen. Um, yeah, I, I like I said, I thought Fox did a nice job. Um, as Bolt has some thoughts about the the game, um, let us discuss the game. Um, you and I were chatting beforehand, and and I texted uh, podcast listener Andy Medor about this because we normally talk about these types of things, and said I was not impressed. I wasn't. It wasn't a bad game, but it was not a good game. Like it was not the most interesting game for some reason. For it having a dramatic ending to it, like I, I don't know. I wasn't on the edge of my seats, right? Like, I think yeah. it was a good game, but it wasn't drama-filled. I don't know. Maybe it's because I didn't have a big rooting interest. Maybe it was whatever. But it was it was a good game. It wasn't one of those th- – it wasn't a Thursday night game when nobody's scoring and people were making stuff about that. Um, there were some moments. I mean, I thought the Mahomes run late, you know, felt like not a backbreaker, but felt big because he had been injured and what was going to go on. And then he, he came out and did this you – know, come out and ran like – a leader and the big guy should be in, in the big moments, but I wasn't on the edge of my seats. And I, and I guess I was, it was inevitable when the penalty happened, like, okay, now they can't, they should not be screwing this up. Like we are, we now have 90 seconds of this to play out and this is going to be not dramatic. So maybe that helped bring it down a little bit overall. Maybe there was more drama earlier in the game that was just left out of the balloon by that ending. But I mean, I thought it was a good game. I mean, it wasn't a low out. That's a plus, right? Um, yeah. Though the, 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 the odds right. folks thought it turned out to be right. I mean, so much of the podcast predictors here on this show, yeah, but they were terrible. You know, exactly. But we're going to keep we'll our job next week. They're going to bring us back next week. Next week it's okay. Usually on par for us. Um, exactly. No, I, I, like I said, I was not. I, I The only thing, the only big takeaway I had from the game was the fact that it wasn't over at halftime and it very much felt over at halftime, especially with Mahomes getting hurt. Um, 
kind of had just thought like that was it like this was the final straw that broke the camel's back i'm still interested to hear like how messed up his ankle actually is um or was that just like him tweaking it and then was fine after putting some throwing some ice on it or getting a shot in it um so i don't know it wasn't the the best super bowl was it the worst super bowl um I think uh, it was relatively memorable. Um, we have not talked about one other component of the Super Bowl, Steve, the halftime show. Your thoughts? Uh, it, was, it, was, it was what I expected, right? It was good. The, the conversation in my household and the conversation nationally, this is, this is my... Oh, boy. This is my, oh this boy. Is my very open-minded take, I believe. Everybody was looking for someone else to come out and help her out. Why does a strong, talented woman need someone else to help come to, to help her out? Like, why does there need to be somebody else? No, no, no. Um, I don't disagree with that. Um, I, I, thought, I thought it was good. I thought she did what she was supposed to do. Yeah. I knew, like, I texted you. I knew, like, three of the songs. So there you go. Um, I thought about it. I thought about it this morning. And at first, I was like, yeah, this is, this is very much fine. And then I like, thought about more. That was a top five Super Bowl. It was number five in my my halftime show rankings. Oh, that's um, good. Yeah. She played all the hits. Um, I wanted, uh, I did want Jay-Z to show up during Run This Town because I just think that's Jay-Z. Like Rihanna sets up the song and, and Jay-Z kind of sends it home. Um, and he, I knew he was there. So I knew there was a possibility of that happening. Um, it was, I, I think, I think the, the big thing for me is, is was looking at my list of, of top five. It, it's it's so it's Rihanna at five, Bruce at four, th- three is U two, two Beyonce, and then number one is Prince. What do most of those have in common? It is just the artist getting up there, doing the thing that they do best, and getting out of there. And I think that is what all of those five groups people have done. Did yeah, no, I mean we we know my lack my lack of um, awareness about all Rihanna does and what her, what's what her songs or else, but as a performer and putting on a show, she did what she's supposed to do. Right. And, and that's why I don't. I think extra help for those is kind of like the Super Bowl commercials that run long. They just start throwing stuff at the wall for something to stick. Pick somebody who's good. Let them do what they, they do best and and let them go. And I think that that's what happened. Yeah. All right. Well, football season's over. So that sucks. And then we got to find other stuff to talk about on the podcast. So we'll figure that out. We'll just find other good guests, too. Yeah. All right. Well, Steve. Excellent podcast this week. Thanks to Chris Smith for joining us. Um, other than that, we've got an email. It's Steph Summer says podcast at gmail.com. We've got a podcast, which you just listened to. Five stars, thumbs up, uh, all of that. Uh, we've got Twitter handles. Mine is at Steph Summer says. Steve's is at Steve Samsel. And other than that, uh, we'll talk to you. We'll talk to you soon. See ya. Joyce.